0: Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of my podcast series, Tarot Esoterica. These days online, I brand myself as the Loracular. My actual first name is Laurel. My pronouns are she slash her and they slash them. So let me give you some personal history and describe what Tarot Esoterica is going to be all about. I plan for this to be a weekly podcast running just 10 to 20 minutes per episode, with this one being a touch longer. You will hear me use the words occult, metaphysical, and esoteric interchangeably when I'm talking about the concepts and philosophies that make esoteric tarot so esoteric. I first became fascinated with tarot cards and the occult in general as a preteen back in the early 1980s. I was fortunate enough to have very open-minded, loving Christian parents. They happened to work for Lutheran Family Services during those early years as therapists, and then began running a boys' ranch in Wyoming, and then became addiction recovery counselors at the Meadows Treatment Facility in Arizona. As a kid, I loved books, especially fantasy and sci-fi novels. I was constantly buying and reading books. Then one day in Walden Bookstore, I strayed to an end shelf where the Spiral Dance by Starhawk and Drawing Down the Moon by Margot Adler were displayed side by side. They were still pretty new at the time. I bought them both, read them both, and just felt something powerful and spiritual kind of explode inside of me that week. Finally, at the dinner table one night, I told my parents that I was going to be a Wiccan, and explained what that meant to me. My father nodded and told me he'd prefer I became a Buddhist if I needed to explore an alternative religion, but okay. And I still needed to attend church with them on Sundays, and I wasn't allowed to join an actual covenant. I agree. So When I turned 14, my mother took me to a metaphysical bookstore and helped me pick out my very first tarot, The Voyager Deck by James Wanless. My mother was a full-fledged New Ager by then, and I loved that tarot deck. The Voyager tarot and I were inseparable for years, until something very unexpected happened when I was about 17. I had begun to read Anton LaVey and explore his teachings, not knowing that my mother had started to believe that satanic ritual abuse was real and that it was happening to kids, uh, thousands of kids across the I'm going to skip over the very long, ugly story of my misadventures as a teenage Wiccan with left-hand path tendencies in the middle of the satanic ritual abuse hysteria. Mistakes were made by all parties involved. Eventually, though, I got myself to the Blue State West Coast and into a very progressive liberal arts college where people like me had a sanctuary to explore spirituality, sexuality, and socialism, which I did with great enthusiasm. And I became a hermetic magician. Have you ever read Doctor Strange and Mr. Morell by Susanna Clark, or seen the miniseries? It's a wonderful novel set in a fictionalized 19th century England full of stodgy theoretical magicians who study magic but don't actually cast spells or rituals. Then suddenly, the two main characters, the first practical magicians in a hundred years, appear and steal the show. Well, I have to be honest with you all. I've always been more of a theoretical rather than a practical magician and I'm a lazy ritualist. I don't even do a proper lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram most days. You can't see it, but I'm hanging my head in shame over that one. But I have studied metaphysical, mystical, spiritual systems my entire adult life, and I learned decades ago how to apply them to self-development and my relationship with others. There were some really awful lightning hitting my tower moments all through my late 20s and 30s and 40s. Um, But every time I just let go of the self-pity and found my way back to tarot and self-development, life got better again. Exceptionally better again. So, I am a magician, but not an astrologer. I can talk enthusiastically about the archetypes of the classical planets and the zodiacal signs and where they fit inside what we think and feel. I am a mental but not spiritual alchemist. As a mental alchemist, I see how human beings are getting constantly emotionally tested, broken, transformed, remade, Tested again, broken again, transformed, and how this is just natural and something we need to acknowledge and work with. I've studied religions, mythologies, philosophies, and ideologies for decades, and I have reached this personal truth. Any spiritual or philosophical tradition that stirs us to be better more loving, more kind, and more charitable people is a good tradition. But even the most spiritual people I know still struggle to be all those things. Cognitive bias is so very real in all of us, and we need to keep ourselves accountable for how we treat everyone outside of ourselves on a day-by-day, sometimes hour-by-hour basis. When I am working with my esoteric tarot decks every day, I find this a lot easier to do. Tarot helps keep me honest, humble, genuine, and kind. Most people know that tarot decks can be used for fortune-telling and forecasting what the future holds. Tarot cards can be used as part of spell work in ceremonial magic, witchcraft, and folk medicine, but Tarot Esoterica as a podcast series won't be devoted to divination, ritual casting, or spell work techniques. Now, what I thought the occult was when I was a 12-year-old D&D playing sci-fi nerd, and what I think the occult is now, that I am a 52-year-old d and playing sci-fi nerd, are very different things. The word occult originally just meant secret. Nowadays, occult is a word used to refer to a wide range of metaphysical beliefs and practices, and none of them are secret. Just check Amazon.com for proof of how unsecret the occult has become. Unfortunately, because occultism is now so mainstream, There is also a lot of misinformation or dumbed down information out there. My goal with Tarot Esoterica is to provide interesting information, but in a fairly down-to-earth, educated, but open-minded point of view. So let me say one thing now. It is absolutely possible to be Christian or Jewish or Muslim and be an occultist. I have a soft spot for Wicca, and I always will. I have a soft spot for the Church of Satan, especially their political activism. But these kinds of um, occult traditions are only raindrops in the lake of occult traditions. Most of the published occultists in written Western history were scholarly people devout to a sect of one of the big three monotheistic religions. I personally love occultists who are down-to-earth like me. My absolute favorite modern ceremonial magician and occult author is Lon Mylou Duquet because he is as funny and humble as he is brilliant, and he is extraordinarily brilliant. Esoteric tarot is steeped in what is called Western or Hermetic Kabbalism. You will see me spell the deeper and more faith-based Jewish Kabbalah with a K and Hermetic Kabbalah with a Q just to keep them separate because they really are two very different traditions. And esoteric tarot is part of Kabbalah with a Q. Esoteric Tarot and Kabbalah with a Q developed in angry organizations like the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Future tarot esoterica podcasts will include lots of talk about the Rosicrucians, the Golden Dawn, and splinter organizations which still survive today like Boda and the OTO. In these podcasts, the four decks that I will be really focusing on are the Rider-Waite-Smith Tarot, the Harris Crowley Thoth deck, the Boda Tarot by Paul Foster Case, and the Melanated Classic Tarot by Julia Goolsby and Ubria Trunshaw. The first three exist today specifically because of the Golden Dawn and Ceremonial Magic. The Melanated Classic Tarot is a modern deck in the um, RSW style. You can read more about it on my website or just go directly to ubria.com. My teachings are my own and do not reveal anything I ever took an oath to keep secret. I do not advocate for any specific spirituality, philosophy, or tradition. However, any belief system that endorses hate and bigotry is not endorsed by me. Anyone that endorses hate and bigotry is not endorsed by me. You won't hear a lot of talk about God or gods except in the context of what images and symbols appear on specific cards during Tarot Esoterica podcasts. You will hear a lot about the authors and artists of esoteric tarot decks and their mysticism, but I try to avoid making value judgments about the rightness or wrongness of their beliefs or lifestyles. So you won't hear me bash on A.E. Waite, Aleister Crowley, or any other occultist, living or dead. I won't be doing deck reviews. Every tarot deck is the right tarot deck for someone. I also won't be doing guest interviews, though I enjoy listening to guests on other tarot-based podcasts, and I love listening to other tarot podcasters there who inspired me to create one of my own. Tarot Esoterica is going to focus specifically on just general tarot esoterica and the four decks I mentioned for the foreseeable future because there are just so many interesting things and topics from that foundation alone. You should be able to take everything I say in general or about one of these decks and then just look and see how the same symbols and principles play out in the others. Now, a standard tarot deck has 78 cards divided into a major arcana of exactly 22 um, cards and a minor arcana of exactly 56 cards. This minor arcana is further divided into four elemental suits, each with 10 numerical cards called pips and four core cards. Fire is wands or staffs. Water is cups, air is swords, and earth is pentacles, discs, or coins are the most common suits. But as long as there are four elemental suits, basically fire, air, water, earth, um, you can get creative and still be making a tarot deck. You can rename and reinvent some or all of your major arcana and still be making a tarot deck. It's only when you move away from this formula of 78 divided into 22 and 56, which is subdivided into four suits of 10 and 4, that you move out of tarot zone into more general cardamancy or art decks. The why of that is complicated, but I will explain in a later episode. Right now cardomancy cardomancy is the method of divining or forecasting the future via paper cards it's fortune telling um tarot cards are one form of cardomancy oracle decks and other kinds of card sets for cardomancy that aren't tarot decks also exist even playing cards can be used by a good cardomancer to divine or forecast the future so anything called a divinatory or a fortune-telling deck is a tool of cartomancy. But tarot decks, especially esoteric tarot decks, have that very specific 78-card structure for esoteric reasons. Tarot cards as we know them originated during the Italian Renaissance as parlor games for the aristocracy. These early decks weren't used for occult practices and they weren't used for fortune telling back as far as researchers have been able to tell and a lot of research has been done. They were a card game. Now, I spent years as a cardomancer, as a professional tarot reader and life coach, and I charged the standard fees. But about 10 years ago, I started developing fibromyalgia and became so disabled that by the end of 2013 even vocational rehab advised me to file for SSDI my vocational rehab counselor took my hand and said that based on my medical records and her experiences i would never be able to work full time in the competitive job market that was a crushing blow but they were right 2014 to 2017 were very hard years, but I learned a lot from the struggles I have with an autoimmune disorder that brings chronic pain, fatigue, memory loss, and mood swings. Talk about the lightning hitting my tower, but my battles with fibromyalgia, put me on the long but transformative fool's journey that led me from that office visit with a vocational rehab counselor to me talking to you right now so tarot is now my hobby writing about tarot and teaching tarot is a lot of fun for me and it's always a lot fun for me compared to reading tarot for clients and always has been. I don't plan to pursue a book writing career though. I am still disabled and anyone who thinks authors have an easy time of it has never lived with one. I spell real life occult magic with a K on the end to differentiate it from stage magic or fictionalized magic. Magic is the art and science of creating change to occur in conformity with true will. Changing a perspective, belief, mood, behavior, all the things one does for personal empowerment and breaking bad habits or addictions. Real magic is incredibly good for that. Esoteric tarot is fantastic for real magic and sincere personal empowerment. Magic complements mysticism, but they aren't the same thing, even if someone can be both a magician and a mystic. Mysticism is the spiritual practice of using prayer, meditation, or some other esoteric means to connect directly to the divine source, God as you interpret God to be. There are a thousand names and a thousand ways to explain divinity and deities and where humanity fits into divine plans. As far as I am personally concerned, beliefs are true for those who experience what they experience. As you harm none, believe what thou wilt. Magic doesn't require a belief in divinity or focus on that kind of personal connection between you and your deity faith in anything but your own true will is not required of a magician mysticism can certainly be as good for personal growth as magic but self-improvement is just a side effect and not the central purpose of you communing directly with divinity as it reveals itself to you consider what i say about mystical beliefs practices and experiences as they relate to the tarot as very generalized and impartial statements about other people's beliefs. The topic will often come up, probably even more than magic with a K, because tarot mysticism is infused into the classical tarot texts, like A.E. Waits, the pictorial key to the tarot. Crowley's Book of Floth and his other writings, Paul Foster Case's A Key to the Wisdom of the All Ages and the Book of Tokens. Tarot mysticism is probably some of the densest and most confusing parts of tarot esoterica. And so we aren't even going to go there until I've had a chance to talk about basic symbols and archetypes and belief systems. Um, Then we will tackle those types of classical uh, texts. And we are coming to the conclusion of Tarot Esoterica, episode one. I hope you found it interesting and worth your time. The next episode will be an explanation of the binary principle, most widely and best known as yin-yang. I will be talking about the many ways yin-yang expresses itself in esoteric tarot and the Western occult tradition. I will also explain why I personally don't use the words female and male or feminine and masculine to discuss esoteric polarity and dualism, and I personally stick to yin and yang. If you really like tarot esoterica so far, please let me know and spread that praise on your social media platforms. My brand new website with a blog, some free esoteric tarot lessons, and a lot of other content is located at therlacular.com. And please give me a follow there. You can also catch me on Twitter at Tleracular, but be warned, On Twitter, I get opinionated, goofy, and political. So until next time, I wish nothing but the best for you and yours. May the world do good unto you, and may you do good unto the world.